Oh, they want me to set it on flame. movie house the draft movie house we have relocated from germany to the united states just in time for the month of july we're recording we, this on on friday before the fourth of july weekend and we went we from the outhouse we, to the penthouse yes we're, we're back in the states we only have domestic on draft here we only budweiser miller just the uh, worst beers you can find right here. I'll, I'll drink a Mick Ultra. No, I mean, I've done a Mick Ultra. It's not don't too slide bad. it past me. I'll, now, I'll take that one. a Miller High Life, I will imbibe. <laughs> the uh, the uh, so the uh, the intro and the outro are provided to you by Sir Flame. Uh, that's Jeff's boy. He's on the uh, he's on the microphone for us in the month of July. We appreciate him. Find his music. Anywhere you get your music from. Also, support him on YouTube. I know he's a big YouTuber. Yeah, he so. puts out videos and stuff like that. So Yeah. Uh, you can also hit us up on our socials. That's Draft Movie House on Twitter. Now, I can't fix the email, Mark. So it's still that's, DOS that's Movie okay. Draft. Nobody, <laughs> nobody, nobody knows emails. the email anymore. Nobody emails. I'm done talking about it. All right, I'm not going to look it up anymore. I've done... A bunch of episodes of Hitchcock and never received one email. Get at us in the Discord. Hit us up on Twitter. That's where you find us. <laughs> then we're we're in our we're in our we're in our second month. We are full fledged into the comedians in serious roles theme for the month of July. You know, we start off with uh, Uncut Gems. You loved it. I hated it. Um, Wait. <laughs> What is the old line from Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory? Wait, stop, reverse it. What does he say? You know what I mean? Where he flips flip it around. Flip the thing down, flip it, and reverse it? Yes, I believe that's him, the famous rapper Willy Wonka. I hate, I will not have anything to do with Uncut Gems. I hate that movie. Now, oh, I watching this movie... We watched, Wait, what, did we, what, what did we watch this week? Okay, we watched Can You Ever Forgive Me, starring Melissa McCarthy, who, again, is known for her comedic work, uh, yes. but she does her serious turn here. This is also directed by um, Marielle Heller. Uh, yep. The only other names, Richard E. Grant, I recognize, but I'm not sure what I've seen him in. And then SNL alum Jane Curtin is in this movie as well. Um those are the only names that I'm even slightly familiar with. So, Marielle Heller, and she is she hasn't done a whole lot. The director of this film, um, she's been she's actually acted in more things than she's directed. Uh, but you may recognize her from A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, which she directed in 2019, starring Tom Hanks as the infamous. Mr. Infamous? <laughs> infamous? What do you think Mr. Rogers did? I mean, he was on a kid's show. 
All right. Well, we're you will not besmirch Mr. Rogers. All right. I, I do not besmirch him. You called him infamous. I mean, is he not? No, he's not infamous. He's he is famous. Infamous. No, he is Osama he bin is. Laden is infamous. No, that, no that, that sucker's more famous than Mr. Rogers, all right? No, do you not know what infamous means? <laughs> we're not doing this right. We're not doing this you out, out of the gate. You don't know what infamous means. We are doing We're not doing, doing this, this out the gate. Not out the gate. No, we can't. We then can't. You we can't gotta... be just not using the words correctly and not expect me to call you out on it. So <laughs> I, we watched. I, Can I You Ever the... Forgive Me? Stop, okay? Stop. We watched okay. Can You Ever Forgive Me, starring Melissa McCarthy. She plays the real-life person. This is based on a true story. She plays Lee Israel, who is an author who is having a hard time getting published. She has a few published biographies in her past that were successful, but she's having a hard time getting new works published, and she's facing writer's block as well. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> this is a role that um, Melissa McCarthy took. And it's unlike any role that she's ever, I've ever seen her in. I, I I don't think I've seen all of Melissa McCarthy's movies, but I don't believe she's ever t- undertaken a role like this before, where it's a very it's a very serious role. And there there are some comedic elements. This movie's to funny. It. There are funny moments, but that, there are there are funny. Moments, but it is not right. a comedy movie. And no. that came up in our Discord. Someone was talking about is this movie a comedy? And I'm like, the primary, if it's a comedy, like the primary function of the movie is to make you laugh. However, yes. it accomplishes that. This is not a comedy. Uh, this is no. very much a drama. And uh, I'm just going to go ahead and s- spoil my opinion on it. Go ahead. Melissa McCarthy is magnificent in this movie. She's I wonderful. love this movie. I yeah. thoroughly enjoyed it all the way through. It's in Hollywood thought she was great too because she was nominated for an Academy Award for this movie. And she uh, absolutely so. did. I like now, and this is what we were talking about in the last one. We'll probably talk about every movie this month. Is I don't know how much of it is, is I'm just shocked that Melissa McCarthy has this range. But at the same time, comedy to me is harder than acting, I think. To be a good comedian, to develop comedic timing. If you can do that, so much of comedy is also playing the straight man. The, the person yeah. who is uh, in a situation that needs to act normally to absurd things happening around them. So I think a lot of that comedic training will also help you in your serious roles. Well, That's my personal opinion. She is, uh, she has a great range. Uh, as far as her comedic work goes, she has great range. Um, she, you know, this is not, she's been nominated for two Academy Awards, this, this film and for Bridesmaids. Bridesmaids, right. Um, Where she took a dump in a sink, I think. Yes. Classic Academy (laughs) Awards. So what was that? Was she just supporting actress? It was supporting actress, yeah. Um, and But it's like, you know, you watch that movie. You watch Bridesmaids and you see Melissa McCarthy. And and that was probably her. That was her breakout role. Yes, that was her introduction to mainstream. And, you know, she completely stole the movie. Every every scene she was in. And that's saying something because Kristen Wiig... And Maya Rudolph are in that movie as well. Comedic yeah, it, legends. It, it, well, Maya Rudolph, I don't know. I, Maya Rudolph I would call comedic legend. I don't know. Is Kristen Wiig there yet? I don't know. She's bridged out. Uh, we could have yeah, done that I, new I, Kristen Wiig movie on this because she's bridged out into serious roles now. 
So <laughs> the uh, but you know Melissa McCarthy, she um, she is a she's a household name now. She is mm-hmm. she is she's up there with your you know your your Adam Sandler's and your your Will Ferrells as far as comedic yeah uh, actors go. She hasn't and, hit the tenure yet that they have, no. but with this movie, I'm like, okay, she's gonna have longevity. Um, now the other thing, so when you, we brought up uncut gyms at the beginning and I'm going to do my best not to compare this to that, but there are similar themes. Um, both movies. Interesting. All right. No, but both movies feature protagonists who are, uh, down on their luck. Yeah. She's not nice. (laughs) I think that she is portrayed in a much more balanced way. Than one hundred percent, than Howard is, um, and I think they. And we, if you remember from the last week's episode, I mentioned that talking about the background of how he ended up these betting, uh, his addiction to gambling, and you get a little bit more of Lee. That's from the the main character in this play by Miss McCarthy. You get a little more of that meat on the bone of why she acts the way she does. Uh, well, and I think I think that is uh, this this film had a lot more freedom by actually I don't I don't know this, but it's my opinion the the freedom behind the range of which Melissa McCarthy could take the character. Um, I think in Uncut Gems, Adam Sandler's role was written a particular way. And in in the the screenplay for Adam Sandler's role, Adam Sandler had to over go over the top with a lot of his scenes. There wasn't a lot of uh, nuance to. Are you trying to explain why that movie's bad now? No, no, no. That's what it sounds there, like. There was there was a lot of there was a lot of nuance. Oh, to there the no character of Lee Israel. Oh, Lee, yes, absolutely. Yes. Okay. Right. Yes. Um, <laughs> but there wasn't a lot of nuance to, uh, to Howard, Howard Ratner's absolutely. character. Totally. And agree. so, so Adam Sandler had to, he had to find wiggle room. All right. Within I, the screenplay. I don't want to talk I'm, about hold on. I know. 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 I'm sorry. Um, good one. <laughs> <laughs> but uh for for Melissa McCarthy she had a lot more I, I don't know if you, I I feel like you just said this but meat on the bone for for the role. I think um, so well because okay Lee Israel's a real person. She wrote a uh a autobiography that um and this movie talks about that, but she wrote a real book that does exist about the what part you know the happenings of this movie. Mm-hmm. And um, now she died before this movie was made. So Melissa McCarthy didn't, I don't think, got a chance to talk with her. One other thing before we really start pushing to the plot. Did you know that Melissa McCarthy was not the first choice? No. Who was? Now, I can't imagine anyone but Miss L- Melissa McCarthy in this role. Okay. Because she m- murdered it. No one else can touch it. And Rosie one of O'Donnell. my least favorite actors in the world I can't. Danny DeVito. No, what? No, it's a. This is a woman. (laughs) Like I, uh, Julianne Moore. I cannot stand her. What? She is awful. Just 
terrible act, in my opinion. I don't like her oh, performances in pretty much everything I've seen. I, I mean, I regard her as a good actress, but what's I don't your think favorite she Julianne been... Moore? She would have been terrible in this. Or yeah, she would no, have been I don't... a miscast in this. Yeah, one uh, Julia. Uh, what is my? Fa- I don't. I don't know if I've ever. Okay, that's right. Gave him that a thought. I've never, I've never thought about to my me, favorite personally, Julianne Moore I don't movie. think she's that great of a performer. I find her performances to be wooden. Um, and if you want a perfect, uh, you can watch the 1980 remake. Oh, excuse me, 1998 remake of Psycho. She's horrible in that. I don't like her in uh, Hannibal. Um, what else about? She's in. Um, the Big Lebowski, she's fine in that, but she plays a bit part. But generally speaking, I'm not a fan of her, and I think it would have been a total miscast. And anybody but Melissa McCarthy playing this role, to me, it wouldn't have worked. Um, You're right. I, I mean, I, I have never given that a thought of who else would have played this role. Uh, it's because I didn't know that she was not the first choice. Yeah, but... there's no one else. Because she's she embodies the character completely. Yeah, one of, she does. And... And so the the film is is does a very good job of giving you Lee Israel. Um you know, the the movie's about Lee Israel's um plights of I guess uh mis misjudgment. No, that's not the right word. Uh, she she takes, you know, she she sells back forgeries of letters from famous authors. And, um, you know, because she's the whole movie is about her, you know, being this washed up writer. And, and so, uh, she's down, she's, I don't, the movie never explains, you know, the, the job that she has at the beginning of the movie that she gets fired from. Yeah. That's such a great introduction to the character. Like yeah, she's she's sipping some scotch and you she's, know, she's at work from... drinking. Now they don't say what it is, but it certainly looks like scotch. That's her drink right. of choice. <laughs> and somebody talks to her and she says "fuck you" and or, right. And then her boss says, "What did you say?" And she repeats herself and gets fired. It's such a great introduction to this character. Is just someone who's a, a a hard ass and just kind of angry at life and the world. Um. And where that leads her. So she goes drinking and meets Jack Hawk, who is played by Richard E. Grant, who's awesome in this movie. Um, uh, they Academy Award nominee. He got nominated for this. Yes, yeah, supporting wow. actor. Okay, so uh, for once, I'm with the Academy man. They the this these performances are excellent, and he and Melissa, Melissa McCarthy have great chemistry. Uh, as friends, because um, both characters are gay. They are very direct about. Um, uh, but they're, they're, they're both gay in a different manner. Uh, and I think that was important I, is because, uh, you know, Richard E. Grant plays a character that's very open with yes. his homosexuality. Yeah, that's and, true. Yeah. And, and Melissa McCarthy's character, Lee Israel, is very conservative with her she, it homosexuality. Yes, she's not forthcoming with it. And uh, there are mentions of, uh, what's her name, Amelia, her uh, previous partner. And they don't actually yeah. say it until you get a lot later in the movie. Um, but she does have sort of a brief uh, 
passing interest in another woman in the movie. Um, but they become friends, even though Lee wouldn't necessarily admit to this. Uh, well, and, and the, the movie, the movie, the, one of the themes of the movie is, is loneliness. Mm-hmm. And, um, you see that right from the get with, um, with Lee Israel's character, uh, the character of Lee Israel. And, you know, she gets fired from her, from her job and she, she works, she's working an overnight gig, whatever she's doing. And she, she comes home after she gets, she gets fired and, her best friend is her cat. Yeah. Um, and, you know, she lives alone. She's She lives with this cat. And one of the the kind of the, the biggest scenes of this entire film, to me, w- that showcased what everything that Lee Israel was down to its core was when she gets home from after being fired from this job. It's very early in the movie. And she gets home and she feeds her cat. And then she goes and wipes off a bunch of dead flies from her pillow. And she falls asleep. And it's like, she's so resigned to the fact that she is just this this person that doesn't deserve anything. And, you know, everybody has written her off. And so, you know, the, to me, the, the metaphor of dead flies on her on her pillow is, you know an embodiment of her loneliness because she's she's just accepting of it she does she she doesn't even she she's not even disgusted by it she's just she just brushes them off and and it and it's a it it the the theme of her apartment being riddled with flies plays throughout the movie Um, well it's also the literal circumstances surrounding her depression yeah I mean, she's right. depressed, um, yeah. and where to the only person she cares for is her cat. Um, she does develop a friendship, sort of, with Mister Hawk, and they kind of, but it's this tenuous, like they're just drinking buddies. So they're both alcoholics. Uh, her friend, uh, what's his for? Is it Jack Hawk? Yeah, Jack, yeah, Jack Hawk, Hawk. Yep. is also um, into cocaine at several points. Um, and we well, should yeah, also we also, we also mention it's this film takes place in what the nineties the nineties yes yeah I was just about to say that because of what happens at the 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 end of uh, right. Jack Hawk's character at the very end um, so they end up uh, becoming friends they go to a restaurant now this restaurant scene's great there's so many just great character scenes now I want to and I'm going to point back one week ago to uncut gems and just why this movie is so much better to me is okay. the music is gorgeous. Lots of jazz and yes. uh, lots of just calm music. And then there's some upbeat music that feels playful when she's uh, later on in the movie, when she's doing something in anger and it just kind of pops the scene. It The movie does so much subtlety so well, whereas uncut gems uses a hammer. This is very much a scalpel precision with its subtlety and its storytelling where the characters matter and the relationships matter. Whereas Howard was just an asshole. Right. You're absolutely correct. And, and this, this, this film takes its time telling 
a uh, a story within Lee Israel's life, and you know you, we don't know everything about Lee Israel, but we're told certain things, and we're we we see certain aspects of who Lee Israel is. And she's an alcoholic, and she's she's mean, but she's also washed up. This is uh, we meet up with Lee Israel after she's been on the New York Times bestseller. Um, you know, for a book that she wrote, an autobiography uh, for, you know, somebody. And she's working on a new film, but her agent doesn't want new anything book. to do with her. You're right. So and, uh, we find out that her agent, played by Jane Curtin, who's great in everything, because it's Jane Curtin, damn it. <laughs> um, she lets her know, the you know, she hears, uh, Lee hears that Tom Clancy just got a new deal. And it's like three million bucks or something like that. So this pisses off Lee and she goes running to her uh, agent who she feels isn't doing her job because she's not getting Lee any work. And she explains, you don't do press tours. You're bad with people. You're not able to put yourself out there as a likable human being. And that's why you're not getting work because I can't. It's not that I can't sell your work. I can't sell you. Right. And she tells she tells Lee that you don't play the game. You know, you don't you don't Yeah, you your 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 writing is fantastic, but you don't do the, 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 the extracurricular things that that allow people to identify with you and, and 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 all that. And so she invites Lee to this I don't I don't even what it was a party of some sort. Yeah, at uh, least steals half a roll of toilet paper. <laughs> or two, two half rolls, like so. They, I didn't know if there was going to be more to this or not, but like really early in the movie, she goes into Jane Curtin's bathroom cupboard, and there's like ten to fifteen half used rolls of toilet paper, which it she took two of for some reason. I don't know. I thought maybe her vice was going to be that she's a klepto, um, but that was not the case. Well, no, she's. She's she's she ain't got no money. Yeah. So she has <laughs> no know? money. So she's stealing toilet paper <laughs> and she goes home and her landlord is really nice guy and needs. But he's like, you got to pay something. And, um, you know, she the the big the breaking point, though, is that she doesn't care for herself. Losing her home doesn't motivate her. But what actually right. motivates her to get her button gear is when her cat gets sick um, and needs medicine. And the vet won't see her because she has an outstanding bill. So she tries to pawn off some books and she can't do it because her, well, most of the books she can't pawn off the ones she does. She gets like two bucks for. Um, yeah. So she, she goes to the library and she is flipping through some books and she finds this, this letter, this old letter from, uh, a past, a past author. Uh, I think it was an author. Yeah, but, it's all authors. It's all writers yeah, it, of some kind. And she, she, it's a, it's a, it's an authentic letter that was that was um, typed, typed up on a typewriter by some some author, some past famous author. And she's like, "Huh, this is weird." And so she takes that from the book in the library. And she takes it to a uh, a nearby memorabilia reseller, and she's like, "Hey, what what is something like this worth?" And the reseller tells her, "You know, hey, and you know, an authentic you know letter could catch you know give you a hundred a couple hundred bucks." 
And she's like, really? How much is this worth? And so she figures out that in that moment she can she can reproduce or attempt to reproduce these these famous one line, uh one page letters from from past authors and sell them for money she needs money and so it started out that she just needed money f- to get her cat uh the procedure at the vet um and then it goes into oh well hey I'm I'm making I can get a good amount of money so let me kind of continue with it and that's where that's where the movie that's where the meat of the movie is is that you know she is she has this elaborate fraudulent uh forgery scheme and she's she's producing letters and she's you know of for several different famous authors and she's passing them off as these authors and she's she even goes to the to the uh, to the point of getting purchasing these authors authentic typewriters that, that they would have well that, i don't yeah i i guess the type of typewriter they would have used maybe i don't they don't get too much into that but she ends up collecting tons of typewriters right to write these different letters and then she forges the signature by tracing um yeah and so she's going around selling these things and she meets at one of these bookstores a woman who's very kind to her and they get sort of a a friendship going and they can both tell uh I don't know that they both tell, but there is some sexual tension there and they end up wanting to go on a date. And so there's yeah. a, a, a lot about how comfortable Lee is with her sexuality in this movie because they end up going on that date and it's clear that this bookseller wants to go on another date or become more familiar with her. And it freaks out Lee to have anyone care and she just kind of breaks it off. Um, well, see, I took that I took that scene a little bit differently. Okay, be, because you know the the woman she's with says, "Oh, I really care about you as a friend." And, Did she? Yeah, and then and then and then Lee, the camera shows Lee, and her expressions is like, "Oh, friend, okay." Um, and huh. so like, I read I, it I, differently. Like I read because there was a point when they're at the dinner table. Oh, and she's talking about, I just want someone to feed my cat when I'm gone. And she says, I'll feed your cat. And that was sort of that initiation of maybe we could have a partnership in life. And that's when I you start to see her recoil a little bit. And maybe she's not ready for a relationship or something. Like it free to me, that's what I saw. Yeah, no, I I mean, I think I think the the way the line is delivered in that whole scene i i think honestly just because we never get confirmation of lee's homosexuality we never get confirmation of you know it's never outright said right and so i think i think it's purposely done that way for interpretation is because she you know other than jack the character of jack this other woman is the only person that shows Lee any type of affection throughout the entire movie. And, um, I think, I think that was done on purpose and I think it was, it was well done is because it allows you to, it allows you to believe that people, 
either Lee has written off everybody in her life or everybody in her life has written off Lee. And and it, and it never it never solidifies one or the other. And so that to me that's that's really good storytelling. Well, it's I think they it, do solidify it to a degree at the end when you finally meet is it it's Elaine or hold on, let me find her name. Elaine. So, um near the end of the movie, we'll skip around a little bit because um while we're on this topic, you do meet Elaine kind of after the fit hits the shan for um, her, for her crimes. But Elaine talks about leaving her because dealing with her uh, emotions and her negativity and everything is exhausting. They don't say again, outright that their relationship was uh, particular, like a sexual relationship or um, anything like that. But that's the context that you pick up on. And the reason she left is because Lee's just too difficult to deal with. She's too negative of a person. Every like she starts fights. She, you know, like gets angry at everyone. Um, and she's self-centered. And so I think yeah. that it is more that nobody can deal with her in her natural state. Um, right. Even someone who at one point loves her just gets exhausted by the work it takes to be friends with Lee. Yeah. And I, I think the, the decision to make the decision to bring Melissa McCarthy on this very well-known likable actress and make her this person in this film that nobody, you're not rooting for Lee It's because every, every, every step of the way, she goes out of her way to oh, tell everybody that she doesn't like them. And she, <sighs> she, uh, she, so, she... so hold on. Yeah. You say that we're not rooting for Lee. And yet somehow you say you no. can root for Howard. No, you're pulling for Howard to pull through, but so... not Lee. I can really, I I can tell that you really love Uncut Gems because we keep coming back to it. So I keep coming back to it because this movie is the perfect, <laughs> the perfect way of saying here is a character, like both of them are about characters who are generally speaking unlikable, yeah, and it's about their vices and the trouble it causes for their loved ones and themselves. Sure. So from that standpoint, yes, I'm going to go back to it because they're very similar in their themes, but one of them executes it way better because. Yeah, but you were, did you ever root for, for this character, Lee Israel? Yeah, I I did because I wanted. But in what aspect, what aspect did you root for her in? In that I didn't want her to hurt her friendships. Like with Jack, when she loses it with Jack near the end. But Jack's um, not a good dude either. I'm not saying that he's a good dude, but he's the only person she has. Right. Okay. And Jack's not a bad dude. No, he's not. But he's but, he's a he's a very gray character. Well, I don't even know that I call him a gray character. I, I mean, the, I guess the movie is gray in the sense that she's a criminal, but she's a white collar criminal who's yeah. r- selling pieces of fake literature. You know, what I mean, she's not betting her family's money to the point where the mob's after her. Right. But she also, and the reason that I care about her isn't because 
even that she is more likable than Howard, but because we can't, we understand her character way more. We, yes. We, right. we know why she's doing the thing she's doing. She feels 100%. trapped and the only way she can get out. And what's the first thing she does when she comes into money? What does she do? Pays her oh, rent. She gets, yeah, yeah. Pays her you rent. She mean? gets her cat. Whereas, she gets her cat, the surgery and everything Right. Else. She does. Yeah. So when she does, she does the thing she has to do to get like, we want to see her cat be okay. When her spoilers, when her cat dies, I feel for her because yeah. that's who she has. And not only is that all she has, she's lost, but now the only friend she has has allowed for this and possibly caused this death of her cat. So I'm feeling for her in that moment. And when you get to the end of the movie, when she's again, spoilers, she gets arrested for the thing she does and she faces her sentencing and she gives that amazing speech at the end, probably the best scene in the movie. I feel for her again. And I feel for her at the very end of the movie when she's sitting across the table from Jack. Because and I think, yeah, okay, go ahead. Because they establish that she needs to write. She's had nothing but loss in her fa- in her life, and it's self inflicted, just like it is for Howard. But it's done in such a more sympathetic way, and it's done in a way where I can understand her. Whereas I, Howard I, is not. I think the differences in these in these portrayals of characters lie in the depth of the screenplay. Um, I'm not going to disagree because one of them is riddled with F-bombs for no apparent reason. And this one is actually gracefully and elegantly written. Right. And so you have and, and, and uh, the Safdie Brothers screenplay was not nominated for an Oscar, but this huh. but uh, but. The uh, "Can You Ever Forgive Me" screenplay was it was a it was um, nominated for adapted screenplay. So I think I think that's where that's where the disconnect between these two characters lies is that in the depth of the screenplay. And I think that's where if we go back to last week, you know, I'm so I want to put Adam Sandler up on a pedestal for his portrayal of of Howard Ratner's because the screenplay wasn't nearly as in depth as the screenplay in, in can you ever forgive me? And so Adam Sandler's portrayal of that character and knowing that the screenplay was so shallow allows me to appreciate Adam Sandler's portrayal of that character in the same vein that I can appreciate Melissa McCarthy's portrayal of, of Lee Israel in the fact that the the character of Lee Israel is so so nuanced, and Melissa McCarthy is, does such a great job with portraying those nuances. She she's very comedic in certain aspects, and then she she portrays a lot of sadness and without even saying anything. It's just the 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 look that she gives in a scene that that portrays sadness and the things that she does in these scenes without ever speaking. That portrays the sadness. I think. I think this movie showcased a lot more for Melissa McCarthy than Uncut Gems did for Adam Sandler. Even though I think Adam Sandler completely elevated Uncut Gems to the point where it allowed me to think it's a really good movie. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to disagree with that. Right. I. That being said, to me, this is like. 
such a, a better piece of art. Like it's so gracefully done. And it, the things that annoy me with uncut gems are gone here. Like I talked about the loud humming and just sort of the violence, not the literal violence, but the violence of the way that story is told with the F bombs and the loud music and the yelling and the doorbell that won't stop. And this right. is done so calmly and peacefully. And I think that's on purpose because what she's doing is writing, right. And reading. And these things are solitary, uh, you know, solitary hobbies and, and occupations. And so the movie has that quiet tone. Uh, but it, it, then it's offset by the flamboyance of, of Jack Hawk, who's offsets, you know, her sort of stewing anger by his Joe being jovial all the time. Um, and I think that that's, that's another aspect of this movie is that there's such a like oil and water type uh, mixture of characters is that they don't, they don't at the surface level, this character of Jack and this character of Lee Israel, they don't mix. Right. But because of these two actors and they're, they're so great in these roles, it's almost like a buddy cop movie. Um, you know, they're, they're in, they're in at certain scenes together and they're just, they're just bantering back and forth and, and it just seems so natural and mm-hmm. so, and so, um, light, light hearted as far as like the, the dialogue goes is that you don't, you don't get the, the sense that Jack is a, is, is just not a good guy. I mean, cause he's not, he's, I mean, the character of Jack is not a good guy, I but no though. Like, so, but, so good and evil in this movie are not really existent. Uh, right. A it's a, it's that, a very gray movie. Yeah. And so I think that they are both. So this is like, they're both trying their best and they're both down on their luck. Right. You find out and getting back to the plot that Jack Hawk is actually a homeless um, he kind of makes his way by um, it's implied that he sleeps his way in, into different beds at night to have a home um, at some point. And again, the movie does try to keep it subtle, but Jack gets beat up and he comes yeah. to um, Lee's house and she cleans him up and allows him to sleep on the couch. But he had mentioned that, you know, he had paid for some sort of service. And then after the service was rendered, he realized he didn't have any money, so he got beat up. And 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 in that scene, Lee is angry with him. Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 Lee is like, "What the fuck? You can sleep here, but cut that shit out." Um, and and so that to me that that speaks to the to the 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 moral uh, middle road that both of these characters take um and and in certain scenes jack displays that he's not a good guy um but in what you know, way like so but he I, but he, t- he 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 attempts to take the money um okay that's true from 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 their their uh their but it's deal also stolen she, money you know what i mean <laughs> <laughs> right but she, he attempts to lie to her about how much money he got for the forgery that he was selling to the, to the right. Reseller. So basically uh, Lee is selling these forgeries and she starts to get on the radar a bit. People are starting to take notice of that. 
Um, the things that she's selling aren't legitimate. Uh, and so she then uses Jack as the new person to go sell these things because they don't know his face. She gives him the, the forgeries and he goes and sells them and brings them back and short changes her. And then, you know, after a while, it's like nobody's taking anything because, you know, they, the forgeries are starting to be noticed. So she has to go. Jack gets this idea. Well, then sell the real things. And right. so they have this idea that she's going to go to this library somewhere, this like big museum type library with security and everything. And she's going to pretend not pretend to be an author, but be an author, but pretend to be writing a book about uh, someone and get her hands on actual real life letters and swap them out for her forgeries, which she does. And they try to sell those. So, Jack takes these forgeries, uh, not forgeries, but these genuine letters and brings them to one of the places that is suspicious of both him and Lee. And this is where they get busted. Um, the FBI comes in and questions Jack. They go and arrest Lee or they don't arrest Lee, but she gets served a subpoena. Right. And so right. she has to hire a lawyer and, you know, like the lawyer advises her, you need to start doing certain things. If I'm going to defend you, you have to get a job and you need to do um, civil service because otherwise you're not um, going to we're not going to win anything if you don't do these things. If you don't start spinning yourself in that positive light. Yeah. And the... what we should mention before this, her cat dies. Because while she's out of town doing the, the swap of the forgeries for the genuine articles, um, they show Jack feed the cat. And as soon as the scene happens, you know the cat's dead because they wouldn't have shown it otherwise. Um, and he gives the cat some of the cat's pills and the cat dies. And she well, comes home to find him. Go ahead. But but he, but he he's also, you know, he also has a... He broke every rule. So she gives right. him... Like rules, don't snoop around, don't get on my bed, don't do drugs. Don't I have don't anybody know. over. Did she say not have anybody over? Yeah. And then yes. within 10 minutes, he's done all of this. Um, he goes, so there's a guy at the, at the very early in the movie, they go to a diner and then he does the most genius pickup line. Have you ever tried this one? No. You're at a diner. <laughs> And I've been married a long time. <laughs> you, well, neither I, I've I've never used the pickup line. My pickup line was, "Oh, uh, I want to go out with you. I'm gonna come." Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, nope. Um. So he says uh, to this handsome waiter, he says, "How sweet are your cinnamon buns?" And the guy's like, "They're just right." And he's like, "I'd like to have a bite of them." And he's like. You just might. Well, anyway, they hook up and he brings this dude back to her apartment and they're going to pound town and home comes uh, Melissa McCarthy to find her cat dead under the couch. And uh, this scene gets me. Uh, I'm a cat owner, you know, and I've actually had to do that. I've pulled a cat that was in rigor mortis out from under our bed because it had died the night before. So it got me. Um <laughs> <laughs> and I think she did a great job of, of being angry and sad at the same time because she's angry at her roommate who let her down. She's sad that her only friend, this cat, 
so in one scene, she's lost her her best friend in a cat and her only human friend in Jack. Right. Um, and they, the, <laughs> I think I think we, we should mention we should mention um the 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 character the actor's name Christian Navarro who plays Jack's kind of love interest. And it's um, hardly it's, a love interest. It's a hook. Well, no, but he he's he has like just like um Lee Israel's love interest. He has a lot of dialogue. Like it's uh Lee Israel and then this character Jack, and then these two other love interest characters, and then everybody else kind of has a one line. And so this this film is really it, it's really a showcase for both Melissa McCarthy and Richard E. Grant. But uh, this character of, or this actor of Christian Navarro, he, if you see him, you may recognize him from 13 Reasons Why. Uh, it was a Netflix show. Uh, it was very popular. Probably still is. I don't know. Um, but he, he, he has a prominent role in that show. But anyway, I just want to mention him. I didn't realize once. that was him. Hmm. Yeah, that's that's him. He's uh, He plays the... Uh, I know who he plays. Yeah. Um, so, but by the end of this movie, you know, um, Lee Israel gets probation. Um, she doesn't do any jail time. Uh, Pretty much in a deal situation. Yeah, like, right. And you know, because the 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 attorney lets her know you're looking at jail time because it's forgeries. Yeah. I mean, the FBI is involved, so right. this isn't I mean, <laughs> this isn't. You know, Mark pulling someone over. This is big time. <laughs> Not saying you, that what you do isn't big time, Mark. Don't hear that. But if the FBI is coming and knocking, we're at a different tier of problems now. I'm I'm big time in my own mind. All right. <laughs> um, so so Melissa McCarthy she gets off on in uh, on community service, and Jack gets off. You know he 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 basically it's a, a plea. plea bargain. Yeah. Right. He strikes a plea. And uh, it's because he he pretty much gave up Lee. Um, I turned over on her immediately. Right. And and so uh, so the last scene in the movie is when such a good scene. No, no, there's two scenes. Well, so there's the scene at the bar. Is that the one you're talking about? Well, I was going to say that that uh, the judge tells her that she's got to do she's on probation. Yeah, she's got to She's got to do court mandated uh, Alcoholics Anonymous. And, and all this. And so she ends up at the bar. Well, hold on, because okay. in this scene, uh, she is asked if she has any words to say. And uh, it just uh, this is her her Oscar scene uh, to me at that point where she starts to read off of a written statement and then goes off the cuff and uh gives a very genuine statement then finishes a written one. It's done really, really well. You should just watch it. Um, but then, yeah, she ends up at the bar. Right. And, and so I don't, I don't know how she, she got the message to Jack's character, but he meets her there. And it's the first time they've seen each other since everything went down. And it seems like it must've been a long time too. Yeah. Because Jack's condition has worsened at no point in the movie. Does he seem sick? Or anything like that. But now when she's meeting him at the bar, his skin has grayed. Uh, yep. He's wearing something on his head. I don't know if it's to mask hair loss 
or anything like that. It, and, it, I, to me, it implied that he had AIDS. Yes, um, I, they don't say outright, but because they do mention that, um, you know, he says this was going to catch up with me eventually, and she mentions that he slept with a bunch of people around town. So it's not right. cancer, um, right? And, and again, it's the '90s. This is the AIDS scare. So, and this is a base on a real person, I believe. So, I'm guessing the actual real life counterpart of Jack. And got yes. AIDS as well, so right, and so she they have this conversation, and it's a very it's a very cordial conversation, and it's it's very and it, and and they end up laughing about you know uh, their time together as as these two individuals, you know, kind of just sweeping this faction of New York and and uh, you know with these fake letters and. To me, that that summed up the entire movie. It was, it was. It's a showcase in in loneliness. It's a showcase in in um, you know somebody being so beaten up that they feel like there's just there's no other way I can do anything other than resort to this crime. Um, well, and, and so. One of the things about that crime, though, right? So the whole time, one of the reasons she's down in the dumps is she's not able to express herself creatively through writing her biographies or anything like that. And so in what happens is, is a biographer is trying to get in the head of a real person and speak for them. And so what she's doing is still kind of this biography fiction that she's writing these short pieces of letters um, that she's very proud of. And that's one of the things she mentions in her speech at court that she's not really, she doesn't really regret her actions because that's the happiest she's been is writing these letters. It's her work. She's proud of them. And she regrets losing her friends over it and losing her cat. Um, But like, that's kind of her expression of her art is in those letters. Yeah, it's not just a crime to her um, because people she always asks when she gives them one. She's like, I thought that was pretty witty. I thought that was pretty funny. And she's looking for approval from these people she's scamming on her the quality of her writing. Right. And and the the title of the movie is the last letter that she wrote as a as you know, the forgery. Um, I I forget. Was it Dorothy? Dorothy Parker. I don't. I don't remember the the author's name, um, but the the title of the film comes from the title of this letter, and she pretty much is saying saying, "Hey, I I really enjoy. I found myself again. Um, I I I re- rediscovered who I was as a, as an author. Uh, while not saying that, but you can." the dialogue throughout the movie in the, in the second half, because the first half of the movie is, is completely dark. Um, it's, it's a showcase of Leah Israel being beaten down by everybody. She thinks has given up on her. And then the second half of the movie is very optimistic. It's very jovial. Her and Jack's relationship is a very comedic one. And, you know, that's where, that's where Melissa McCarthy really, brings out the character of Lee Israel. And it's a shame that Lee Israel never got to see this movie because I really would have liked to know if this if the actual person of Lee Israel was anything like the portrayal that Melissa McCarthy did. 
yeah. Um, so my understanding is it's pretty close. Like I've done a little bit of looking up on the real Leah's real, and she was very solitary person. Um, so like she didn't have a lot of friends like this yeah. Lee Israel. Uh, there's a quote at the end of the movie that, you know, where she gets there's the real life Lee gets summoned for jury duty and she replies saying, I can't, I'm a felon. And they say crime doesn't pay. And it's just the, <laughs> like, that's the real person who wrote that back. So right. um, that's just a sample of that. And so the last, last scene is she's walking down the street and she sees one of her forgeries in a store. And she questions, how much is that going for? Oh, it's 1200 but you get the mat and the frame. And, oh, okay. And then she writes a letter basically saying, that's one of my forgeries. And the guy who runs the store goes to take it out of the window, then changes his mind and put it back. Right. Right. Uh, it, you know, and it's just kind of this establishment of... The, it's witty. It's, 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 it's witty screenplay. Right. That's, I mean, that, it's, that's very... The screenplay in this makes the movie and it's not the only thing that makes the movie um mccarthy and 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 grant really it's make this movie what it is no i mean it's a movie that's running on all cylinders yeah it looks good um the costume is great anytime you have a period piece that makes things a little bit tougher because you have to make sure that all of the things around fit the the era uh you know even the 90s Sure, it's, you know, what, 30 years ago, but it's still a period piece. You know, you can't accidentally have someone on a cell phone, at least a regular one, uh, you know. Um, and so the other thing is, like, the the the, the music is great. Um, it's just an enjoyable watch. Well, it, it's, it's, it's such a low stakes um, story. About a about a very low stakes person, and and most of the times when you get this type of movie, you're talking about a relatively known person. Um, you know, before I'd seen this movie, I know who Lee Israel was. I had no oh, idea. Yeah. Um, but you know, the fact that Melissa McCarthy took so much care with her portrayal of the character. And then the way that the screenplay allowed all of this uh, emotional levity with uh, with Leah's real and this character of Rich um, Jack, Jack, yeah, and, um, and and so I just I I, I agree with you. This, the, the The film is great. It's it's a very well done film. Um, I think and, it deserved everything that it got, mm-hmm. uh, like, you know, nominations, Academy Awards, whatever. It didn't win anything, but it got nominated. And I think that... Who beat it, though? Did it get Best Picture nomination? No, no, no. It, it didn't get a Best Picture nomination. Okay. So, absolutely, this movie to me is superb. And it has something that, like, voices had. It has heart. Uh, and that's the big thing. That's one of the things I didn't think that... American Psycho and um, Uncle Jim's is kind of lacking is just heart, like telling the human tale, um, which I think this does. So I wholeheartedly recommend it. And we mentioned our blue ribbon. I would give this my blue ribbon. I think it washed over me 
with despite being so we talked about you and I talked on Twitter even about uh, movies that you don't want to watch because they maybe uh, leave you in a negative mood or they traumatize you in some way. And there are a lot of movies that leave me in a negative mood. Uh, Darren Aronofsky's The Wrestler. I just it just leaves me depressed and laid out. I don't want to watch it. Great movie. Incredible performances. But I don't want to watch it. This movie is able to take a a story about someone who's down in the dumps and make it feel light to me almost. Like I don't yeah. feel like I watched a depressing movie about someone who has depression. I feel like I got to know her and while we would never be friends, I felt like I understood and liked her and the movie surprised me with how it made me feel. And I've turned it off being like, wow, what a great movie. I, I yeah. loved it. Yeah, no, it's 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 very good. I I recommend it as well. Um, if nothing else, for the performances, but you're you're, but by watching it, you're getting a full bodied, uh, a full bodied adventure of movie going. Is because it's so well done. Um, everything you mentioned, Jeff, and the performances. And just just the way that it plays out, and it's not an overly long movie either. I think it's buck forty five, right? And so it's very brisk. It doesn't lull, but the moments of dialogue are so meaningful. Well, and you and, say like it doesn't, it's brisk and it doesn't lag behind, but it's also told slowly. It's not yeah, you're yeah, not, rushed not rushed into it, anything, right. but all of the the scenes have character work. Right. There's yeah. a reason behind them. They're not there just to be there or to lengthen the runtime, but to help you get to know the characters better so that when the stakes do get raised, you care more. Right. And I think I think I think everybody should watch this film just to see M- McCarthy's range and appreciate her for the actress that she she is rather than what you've maybe seen of her. Yeah, um, it's because she's she she has done some stinkers, uh, you know, much like Adam Sandler. Mm-hmm. She, you know, she's 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 everywhere. <laughs> um, you know, it seems like she puts out two movies a year, and so uh, it's easy for like a performance like this to get lost in her filmography. But um, but by not seeing this movie, you do yourself a disservice of being yep. a fan of Melissa McCarthy. I am now. Right. Like I've yeah. never like I didn't get out of bed to go see Melissa McCarthy movies. There's been some she's been in. I liked. And then there's been some that I didn't like. You know, it's just kind of mixed emotions around her films. Uh, this, on the other hand, when she if when and if and hopefully does decide to take another role uh, of this nature, I will be there to watch it. Yeah, for sure. Um, uh, this uh, this movie's not streaming readily accessible anywhere. Um, you know, I had, to, I, I had rented it. I, I wish <laughs> I would have paid full price and bought it. I, I watched it under dubious, uh, Nope. Uh, don't say it out loud. I will. Don't just, <laughs> although so, so, <laughs> one so, of my uh, movies for next month, I can only find, <laughs> Oh, Oh, well, uh, it's so if you're, if you're interested in parody, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. The uh, if you're interested in, in in streaming this movie, you're you're likely gonna have to rent it. Um, so I would say buy it. 
I like I spent the four. Well, I didn't spend the four bucks. I had four dollars. I had five dollars in Google Store credit, so it oh, didn't okay. cost me anything. But I wish I would have applied that towards the purchase price because this yeah. is a movie I'd like to have in my library to just put on when I want something um, cozy, even like it's yeah. a comfortable watch. Yeah, I don't know how to, and maybe it's because we're coming off of Uncut Gems, but, and some of the Hitchcock stuff I have to watch, I really have to sit and kind of keep myself awake sometimes to deal with what's on the screen. But this was just effortless to watch. This is an effortless film. And, and, and I don't, I'm not trying to poop on Uncut Gems anymore, but to, to point out the difference to me and what I like about movies is this. I like, to enjoy what's on screen. You don't need to bludgeon me. Um, you can still tell a wonderful story, a dark story and do it in a way that makes me want to watch and come back and watch. So I sure. wholeheartedly uh, agree. I, yeah, I no, this. I, I, uh, I can agree with that. Um, I think this is a good showcase. This first two weeks of July is a good showcase in performances but also the dynamic of how a film can make you feel and you know how how it can make you appreciate or not appreciate a film based on the way the story's told yeah and and, and I think I think however I don't you even feel know about if I'd un- say the well yes the way the story is told but also the music and the just the yeah I can't I, say all enough the sen- about the all the music sensory stuff. On, yeah, uh, on that on uncut gems is because it it's really just droning and it just uh it throws you off. Whereas this like sings to you. The music's beautiful. The the jazz and then when so she's getting busted by the FBI and they say you better not destroy any evidence. And the next thing they do is they cut to her destroying evidence. Right. And there's this really <laughs> upbeat, fun song playing while she's doing it, even though in her heart she's panicking and freaking out. And it's just excellent. Like, yeah, the movie is not pretentious, which is something I really appreciate. Nothing will turn me off of a movie faster than being pretentious. And the director doesn't try to step in front of the camera, figuratively speaking, by showing you how cool of a director they are. Uh, it's just good filmmaking, 101. And I that's why I love it. Yeah. Uh, so what are we watching next week? Oh, hell. Okay, so this is one of the, uh, maybe the first time where it's a movie we've both seen. Um it's, yeah. called, it's called Insomnia. It's yeah. by the auteur himself, Christopher Nolan, who is, a, to me, another mixed bag director. Uh, but he does have more hits than misses. I like two out of the three Batman movies. Um, but This is this is uh, one of... Um, what's his name? Uh, damn. What's his name? What, Al Pacino? Pacino. Yeah. yeah, it's one of his... It's one of Pacino's last starring roles um i think as a as an actor where he he didn't carry the film under no means but um i think when he was cast and this movie came out in 2002 when he was cast he was still a very very big name uh pacino now is a very supporting name and you know he's only been in a handful of things he was in that adam sandler movie jack and jill or whatever 
Oh man, that was bad. Where he played himself. I, I think I think that? him and him and Sandler are pretty good friends. Yeah, um. that movie's garbage. Uh, Righteous <laughs> Kills when he did that was okay. Yeah, no, he really hasn't I mean, done anything yeah, impressive I, in a while. Yeah, and um, hey, he was in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. You didn't like that movie? No, I did. I, I I'm, I'm trying trash. to I'm trying to. You haven't seen it. Um. <laughs> he was a Geely. <laughs> That's got to be better than Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, though. <laughs> he uh, uh, he was great in The Irishman. Did you watch that? Hell no. Oh, that, that's that's a fantastic a movie. No, don't do it. Listen, man, I know the things I like, and I know the things I don't like. I know if I'm sitting through The Irishman, I'm just going to be vomiting in a bucket for four hours or however long. I'm pretty sure he was nominated for Best Supporting Actor. Dude, we've established. I don't care about Academy Awards. I know, I know, I know. Once in a while Uh, they get it right, like with this movie. But then they get it wrong again by not doing Best Picture with this movie. Well, uh, he... uh, So um, Al Pacino stars opposite Robin Williams. Rest in peace. Comedic master. Yeah, right. And I think he's also a very he's a very good serious role actor. Um, you got your Patch Adams, you got you got the movies that he did that we thought were comedies and then we went and watched them and they weren't like Toys and Patch Adams right. and you right. went on being like I'm depressed now. <laughs> or Jack, and did then, you see Jack? Yes. Oh my I love gosh. Jack. Oh, I hate that movie. Why? Because so, it makes so cuz I don't like the way I feel afterwards. <laughs> I'm not saying it's a bad movie. I hate that movie. Like, no, I'll say Uncut Jim's is a bad movie and I hate it. But Jack is a bad movie. <laughs> not a bad movie, but I do hate it. I'm not going to watch it. Uh, Robin Williams went through like a phase in the early 2000s where he just wanted to play dark roles. And... I wanted us to do one hour photo, but OK. <laughs> and this is one of them uh, where he plays the. Uh the the subject of a crime investigation so uh it's been, I'm in, i think i, I saw this it. when it was i on. haven't seen it in years oh in years okay i was about to say yeah. you haven't seen it at all i haven't no. seen it in decades and i'm not yeah. exaggerating it's been over a decade since i've watched it so my opinion might change i remember just thinking it was fine um but maybe it's amazing and i've been wrong this whole time <laughs> so if you um if you have any Musical recommendations for us of anybody that you think uh, should should get a few more listens from from our audience here. Uh, please hit us up on our socials. Email us. Uh, also, figure it if out. you have recommendations on themes for months, because we have a couple themes lined up, uh, but just a couple. So if you think of a cool theme idea that we can do for a month. Let us know. We definitely would consider it. Yeah, for sure. And um, I, I, I got a, I got a theme for, for September that I'm, I'm, I'm sitting on. So, um, uh, gross. <laughs> we are gonna do Van Damme month. So here's what I'm thinking. If we make it to the year, in June, we do Van Damme. That's our anniversary <laughs> present to ourselves. We do Van Damme month in June of 2022. Oh, uh, it'll be, it'll be a, it, I can get behind it. I will, I will. You like dedicate, Van Damme, right? You like I do, Van Damme. I do. Yes. Okay, I, like, 
I do I do like Van Damme. I think he's one of he's we one of nineties mainstays. We got of, a kickboxer. We got a hard target. We got a blood sport. We got a death warrant. We got uh sudden death. Was that the hockey one? That one's good. Uh time cop. Universal <laughs> soldier. The man is amazing. He is uh he is very versed in his action roles uh in the nineties. But uh but yeah, so uh, hit us up. Make sure you um, like and subscribe wherever you're listening. Um, tell us, tell tell all your 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 people to listen to yeah. us. Shoot that a way, link uh, to your buddy to say, "Hey, this uncut gems thing is crazy." You know, they <laughs> yell at each other for an hour. I, you know, that's the and, one I would share. I've and got you don't a- have to. You don't have to tell your friends that you secretly loved uncut gems, but you sure. can imply it. You can imply it. Sure, if that's where you stand in life. <laughs> uh, join us next week as we uh, we review Insomnia, directed by Christopher Nolan, starring Al Pacino and Robin Williams. I was made different. Say the motion and the siege, yeah, my wave different. Got your bitches in my DM, flirting when I see them pretty. Obvious to see that they behave different. I said I'm me for real, and you just do it for the scene. Call them Key and Peel, I'm the deal. I don't need a deal, what a thrill. I just swipe it, nigga, I don't see the bill. Yeah, we always been official, really, I don't need a seal. I, what you hoping for, I'm custom to expect. No cardio, but I be running to the check. That shit is trending now, aiming to impress. I told the niggas just to put them to the test. Yeah, she used to pay me no mind. Then she bought a watch just to pay for my time. Breaks went off, yeah, I stay on my grind. Semi broke the mold, only one of my kind. Oh, yeah, I am on a whole nother level. I got many scars left to settle. Pushing to the floor, beat the pedal. I need something more than a metal. I be pulling strings like Chipetto. That ass sitting in them jeans and stilettos. I am on a whole nother level. I got many scars left to settle.